Hey, my name's Adam, and if we've not met, I would love to meet you after. Um, born and raised in Michigan, and I love coming to Oak Point Canton. Um, I work as a high school pastor at Oak Point Novi, and um, don't tell them, but you guys are cooler. Um, anyone here from Novi? No, just kidding. Um, the first time I was in this theater, I, um, I, was, I, I was visiting a high school student doing a play, and Mark and I talked a little bit about like how you know some of the irony of the series you guys are in. Whoa, and you meet in a theater. I thought that was funny. I was like, yeah, you know, to, you know, the Greek word for hypocrite means like hippo, you know, theater, like acting. And I remember coming. I did ministry in Plymouth for a while before coming to Oak Point, and. It, I remember coming to this very theater, Cherry Hill Village Theater, and seeing one of my high school students um, performing and acting. I was like, dang, you had me believe you were, I, I totally forget what he was, but like, you had, like, he did a great job at acting. Um, and that's what acting is, right? Pretending you're someone else, like you know, putting on a face. And I just remember thinking like, dang, that he did such a good job. Um, before service here, we were talking about movies. Anyone love movies? Cool, four of you, awesome. Um, anyone else love movies? All right, cool. Uh, all right, so where are my uh, Marvel fans? Like Marvel, where you at, where you at, I see you. Uh, yeah, yeah, good, good, good. Where, uh, okay, what about DC Comics? Okay, yeah, yeah, less, less energy for DC. Last night, I watched Black Adam with my wife, and being Adam, my name, I'm like, this, this, this better be good, all right? So I'm just saying. Uh, and it was not bad. I, you know, not my favorite, but not bad. The Rock did a good job at being a superhero. Um, but Marvel is my jam. I love Marvel. And they do such a good job at portraying being someone else, don't they? And, and you almost buy into the fact that there are superheroes among us that uh, dress normal, and then when the time comes, Captain America shows up and is like, I got this. Or Thor comes down from the sky, and you're like, I'm so glad you're here. You, like, you believe that. And then all of a sudden, you go on Google, and you, you look up, like, you know, Avengers green screen images. Have you done this before? Yeah, I've got a couple for you. Uh, so I looked this up, and I was like, oh, they're not actually in battle. That's disappointing. <laughs> Do we have? Yeah, yeah, okay. So the guy's not actually flying. He's on a green screen platform. And uh, show the next one, or did you already show the? Yeah, he, oh, they're not actually running on fields with, uh, you know, the Black Panther. They're on treadmills. <laughs> they're getting their workout in, and they're calling it making a movie. Um, you know, like, you know, let's, let's get paid a million dollars and run on a treadmill. Just kidding. They're great actors, and I love the movies. But you get the idea, right? Like, they are pretending to be someone else uh, for the sake of acting, to, to let us almost believe that the Avengers are real. And when Thanos comes eventually, Thor will be here, you know, like you, like you get bought in. So at least I do, I get bought in because I love movies. I get bought in so much. Um, we're continuing our series called Woe in Matthew chapter 23. So if you have your Bibles, you can go to Matthew 23. That's where we'll be. Um, and we're going to read verses, I think, 25 and 26. I said 24, 25 earlier, but they all um, blend together sometimes. Verse 25 and 26, it says this, woe to you. Teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, there's that word again, you hypocrites, 
Uh, you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they were full of greed and self-indulgence. At this point, some of you are like, oh, I get it. Uh, verse 26, blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will be clean. Yeah. Some, some context. The Pharisees, and maybe you're brand new, you, like you've not been in this series with us, Jesus was confronting the religious leaders and the Pharisees, which, which, which was a sect of religion of the day, the Jewish religion. And he was confronting them saying, the way you're living is not working. The way you're living needs to change. And he goes through these seven or eight woes. And anytime someone in that first century culture said, whoa, it was pretty intense. It's not like today, like, whoa. No, no, Jesus was condemning and calling out these people for how they were living. And so Jesus gets to this woe, and he starts talking about cups and bowls and dishes. And you'll be, you might be thinking, what does that have to do with anything? Well, you probably got the analogy already. I probably don't have to explain it to you. But the Pharisees in that day were so concerned with the outside of their cups and bowls. So concerned. And there were laws that had to do with the cleanliness of the outside of the cups and bowls. And you might be thinking, that's weird. You're right. That is weird. And so they were so focused on that. So much so that they began to ignore how they got or received the things that went on the inside of the bowl. For example, they had cleanliness laws that related to meat. Uh, but they put the meat in the bowl and they made sure so that everyone could see on the outside that this, this is according to the law of how we should eat meat. And yet, the way they got that meat was not good. In fact, one of the Greek words, uh, well, the two sins Jesus calls out, greed and self-indulgence. The Greek word could actually be translated a bit better, extortion for greed and excess for self-indulgence. So not just greed, not just run-of-the-mill like, I just want a lot of things or money. No, no, this is extortion. Like, I want things at the detriment of someone else. And so they, the Pharisees were so concerned with how the bowl and the cup and the dish looked that what went inside the bowl didn't matter to them and how they got the stuff to go inside the bowl didn't really matter to them. He calls out those two sins, which is interesting to me, because in these woes, he is confronting, like I said, the way they do life. Jesus was trying to get the religious leaders of the day to realize they were living backwards. I've got an office at Oak Point Novi, and I've got a lot of coffee cups. I mean, not that much, but a few. And so I am known around my office to fill, uh, like get a Keurig, get coffee, and then drink half of it, and then just set it on my desk or set it on the coffee table and go about my day and then go home. And sometimes this happens on a Friday. And so like I don't get back into my office really to spend time in it till Tuesday. And so there it is, coffee. It's got like some, some mold starting to form on the, fr like the top, it, you know, crusties, if you will. Um, anyone ever do this? You don't have to admit it. Just like give me a wink or something. Um, but I'll, you know, just imagine if I went to the office on Tuesday, got my Keurig cup, went to the kitchen, did the thing, didn't dump out the old coffee. And I just put new coffee in it. And then I was like, oh, you know what? 
my buddy Rick needs, needs some caffeine. And so, hey, Rick, here's some coffee. And he'll look at it and be like, bro, that looks disgusting. And I'll be like, no, no, look at the handle. It's so shiny. And look at the outside. It's just so clean. And he'll look inside and be like, Adam, you're an idiot. Dump that out. And so I, I say that in jest, but like we understand that it is absurd to clean the outside of a cup only and leave the inside completely dirty. And yet Jesus is looking at the Pharisees and saying, this is exactly how you live your lives. Matthew 15 is a kind of a subtext, like a cross text that I want to look at today. Mark mentioned it a few weeks ago, but I want to dive into it today. So it, 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 if you do have your Bibles, go to Matthew 15. We're going to look at the first uh, good amount of verses. We're going to read a lot. So buckle your seatbelts. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees yet again. It says this, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus probably wanted to say, like, you've never had a toddler, have you? Um, but he didn't. He said, uh, Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is, quote, devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tr tradition. Mark probably explained this, but what they were doing is they were like, you know, it, as you do as with aging parents, you earmark money in your budget for your parents as they get older. And yet these Pharisees were saying, no, no, this money, I'm going to devote this to God. But the reason they were doing that is so they didn't have to spend it on their parents. It was really, really um, backwards stuff. Verse 7, he calls them hypocrites again. You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. This was pro uh, prophesied hundreds of years ago about the people of Israel at that time. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. And he's not talking about throwing up here. He's talking about what you eat doesn't necessarily matter when it comes to your heart. Because out of the heart, the mouth speaks, as scripture says. We're going to go to verse 16. Because the disciples at this point, they're like, I think I get it. I actually don't get it. Jesus, could you explain to me what this means? And then Jesus turns to them and says, are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Jesus yet again throws man-made traditions to the wind because they were getting in the way of how people were actually living. These religious leaders clung to what had, be what had become rules that they loved so much, but they were ignoring the heart. They were ignoring what was really going on in their internal lives. We see this a lot today. 
uh, some extreme examples that I thought of. It's not uncommon in our world today to see these examples. It's the husband or the wife who had or has a secret affair. They put on a show for their family, and yet on the inside, uh, they are deteriorating their soul by the choices they're making. It's the employee who put on a good team player face and yet embezzles money on the side. It's the CEO who goes and speaks to conferences about how to grow a business, yet treats their team members like dirt and creates a culture of negativity and shame. Unfortunately, it's the pastor who who preaches one thing from the stage, and yet he doesn't have the character or the accountability to sustain a personal interior life. We see this time and time again. It covers our news. Big people with lots of power and lots of importance, they make public mistakes and people think to themselves, how could they do that? It reminds me of a massive tree in a forest. Um, I've got a buddy who has property in central Michigan and, and we went there and there was a massive tree blown down by a storm. And I'm like, how can that big of a tree fall down? And then we walked up to it and I'm like, oh, that's how. The inside was completely rotted. It had no interior strength. And that's what we see Jesus pointing out. You may look strong, you Pharisees, you hypocrites, but you've got no interior strength. And those are extreme examples. But how does that relate to us? What does that look like for us? As I was driving the other day, I was thinking about this message, and just the thought and the question came to mind of like, okay, what do I have in my life that's great on the exterior, but not so great on the interior? What show am I putting on to the people around me? And it could be small things. It could be bigger things. It could have to do with your anger. It could have to do with your lust. It could have to do with any number of things. And Jesus here, talking to the Pharisees, but really talking to us as his followers, is saying, pay attention to the interior. Pay attention to what's going on inside. The show... That will take care of itself. you got to pay attention to what the heart is really into, what the heart is really like. It's the outer world versus the inner world. I want to go back to those two sins that Jesus pointed out, greed and self-indulgence, or extortion and excess. Like I said, extortion really is the desire to take at someone else's detriment. And that's a really simple, simple definition of that. Excess or self-indulgence is the desire to indulge in more than we need, often at the expense of someone else. And so you see at the heart of what Jesus calls out in these two verses, a lack of love for neighbor. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandments were, this was his response. Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. If we are to follow Jesus, we hold those two as 1A and 1B. The greatest commandment is to love God and love people. And what Jesus was saying here, and you could see really a thread line through these woes, Jesus was saying, your love of neighbor is lacking. You pretend to love God, But really how you love God is by doing the second, is you love people. Because God loves 
people, the lack of love for neighbor. Check out Proverbs 15, 27. It says this, a greedy and grasping person destroys community. Those who refuse to exploit, they live and they let live. I love that strong language because this is what the Pharisees were doing. They were destroying community. They were getting in the way of people connecting with God because they were so concerned with how the outside of the bowl looked. They weren't worried about how they got what was inside the bowl. They weren't worried about how they got what what was inside the cup. All they worried about was just looking good to other people. And that's why Jesus was so intent when calling out these religious leaders because they were hindering people from connecting to God. They were not loving them well. And so in our lives, what does that look like? How do we apply Matthew 23, 24 through 25, how do we apply that to our lives? What does it look like to focus more on the interior than the exterior? I've got two dangers that I want to talk about. And with the dangers, I want to give you a lifeline. The two dangers are challenging, at least to me. Because I think if we're to follow Jesus, every day we're going to wake up and we're going to trust and then we're going to make mistakes and then go back to the grace and love of Jesus and trust again and make mistakes. So it is a journey, but these dangers are real. And so I want to give you two dangers of not heeding Jesus' advice and then two lifelines. The first danger, I'm working against the way of Jesus. When we live as the Pharisees lived, outer world way more important than the inner world, you're actually working against the way of Jesus. As a follower of Jesus, to be working against the way of Jesus should make us pause. The way of Jesus is an inside-out relationship where he focuses on the heart first, the inner purity of someone's life, and then it will work itself out. It will show itself. The outside will take care of itself. Galatians 5 talks about fruit. I want to read that real quick. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there's no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. The fruit of the Spirit, those are the things on the outside. Those are the things that people comment of like, you're so kind, you're so patient, you're so loving. Wow, this is amazing. You are such a nice person. Man, you you are a person of self-control. That's what people see. But notice, these aren't things to seek and attain. It's not like Paul gives us a list of these are the things every morning you should seek to check off. And we've talked about that in past summer series. These are the things that, you know, are not to be just a checklist. These are the things that genuinely will come out of relationship with Jesus as fruit. Much like a tree doesn't have to work very hard to produce an apple if it's an apple tree. It just does. When we're focused solely on the outside, we're missing what the Holy Spirit wants to do. We're missing the inner work of what the Holy Spirit wants to do and develop on the inside. And we're at risk of becoming those religious leaders who just focus on how we look. Just focus on how we look and not worry about loving people. Here's the lifeline. Reorient my life to mimic the practices and teachings of Jesus. 
totally look at my life in a new way, reorient my life to mimic the practices and teachings of Jesus. In essence, we go back to the basics of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I want to look at John 15, because we just talked about fruit in Galatians 5, but John 15 talks about where this fruit comes from. Let's read. This is verse 4 through 6. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. This is Jesus speaking. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's what Jesus was telling the Pharisees. He's like, hey, you're not connected to the vine right now. The fruit you're bearing is actually hindering people from God rather than helping people get connected to God. Get back to the vine. But this is not just more to-do lists. Okay, I got to remain in Jesus. Gosh, let's remain. It's not what we're talking about. Check out verses 9 through 12 of John 15. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my, what's the word? Love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And so Jesus is saying, now it's not just a to-do list in the morning when you wake up and you're a follower of Jesus. It's genuinely sitting in the love of Jesus, walking in the love of Jesus and letting that overflow so that you love other people. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Remain in Jesus, stay connected to him, and out of that relationship, out of that sitting with his love, your love will overflow. And so that coworker who's really difficult to love, you've been trying reading books on how to make friends and influence people just so that you can love this person, but maybe, that's not bad, but maybe you should just begin to, or continue to sit with Jesus and let him love you. And then out of that love, you can love your coworker. So remain in my love, Jesus says, then show love to other people. Throughout church history, and even the church fathers and mothers in the early first, second, third century, there have been certain practices that have helped people remain in Jesus. These practices don't save you. These practices don't um, offer anything except a venue, a path to remain close to the one who does save you. And these practices are well known. You could Google these practices of faith, practices of seeking Jesus, silence and solitude, where you have nothing around you and you're silent and still so that you could remain in Jesus. No distractions, put the phone on do not disturb and genuinely sit alone with God. You know, and then the next one is closely tied, prayer. When you sit still, when you're solitude, when you're by yourself, pray and then listen. Another practice that was big in, that, in those days, simplicity. Choosing to live without a lot. You may have a lot, but choosing to live a simple life, mimicking Jesus. Uh, Sabbath is another one. Um, six days we are to work. One, we are to just rest. 
And some of you think, ah, super Old Testament, super not applicable. Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man. It was a gift for us because he knows how we're wired. He knows we need a 24-hour period where we rest and we delight in God and enjoy the gifts he's given us. That, so that was a practice. Community and fellowship was a practice of the early church so that they could remain close to Jesus. So the danger is working against the way of Jesus. The lifeline is reorient my life to mimic the practice and teachings of Jesus. Uh, Danger number two. I'm ignoring internal sin patterns, pain points, and unprocessed disappointments. That's the danger. I'm ignoring internal sin patterns, pain points, and unprocessed disappointments. Like the Pharisees, we are capable of being blind to what we're ignoring. We may not even know what we don't know unless we do the practices of Jesus, unless we, we take time and we pray, unless we, we rest and we stop our constant movement so that we could be alone with ourselves. Jesus has a desire to transfer your whole person, not just the outside of your life. He actually he has a desire to transfer inside, and that will eventually transfer the outside. Um, That's why he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Heart, mind, soul. Psychologists agree that that would, like, that's a picture of the whole person. And that's why I included in this danger the pain points, the disappointments, the internal sin patterns, because it is possible to follow Jesus on the outside, well, pretend to follow Jesus on the outside, and yet be entangled in so many things that we're not aware of on the inside. Our emotions are sometimes uh, a great thing to look at, actually always a great thing to look at. They're terrible drivers of the car, but it's really healthy to look at what you're processing and look at what you're going through and saying, why does anger come up every time I talk to that person? Or why does this happen? Why do I feel this every time I interact with this project? Why does my chest tighten every time dot, dot, dot? There's a book called The Body Keeps Score. And um, it's, a, it's a good read. But what it says is, hey, we are whole people. We cannot separate our mind from our soul, from our heart. We are unified as a whole person. And Jesus wants to transform that whole unit, not just one part. He wants to transfer the whole part. And so he invites you to look at the internal sin patterns, the pain points, and the disappointments. Here's the lifeline. Jesus offers space and grace to process and unearth whatever is inside. Jesus' invitation was to cast off religion and all it has to offer and to simply and courageously follow him. This is Matthew chapter 11. This is the invitation he gives. And I love the message paraphrase. It says this, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This is space for us to sit with Jesus and work on the inside. There's a prayer in Psalm 139, and I'll close with this. 
This is verse 23 and 24. I love this prayer. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That prayer is a honest, vulnerable, scary prayer. Because what you, because what you would be doing is saying, God, the outside is, is clean. I've worked hard at that. I'm really good at, at making myself look clean, my life look put together, but the inside, I actually don't know what I would find if I sat with myself for too long. So God, search me, know my thoughts, know my heart, point out the ways that need to change and lead me. I love that prayer because it's an honest prayer of like, I can't do it myself, God. I need you to lead me in the way everlasting. We're really good. Our culture is really good at cleaning the outside of ourselves where we just present uh, something that's enviable. Social media is, I mean, has made this exponentially uh, worse because we just post everything we want the world to see, and we don't post things we don't want the world to see. And so it's almost made it acceptable to clean the outside of a cup and not really worry about what's on the inside. And Jesus is calling us to something different. But the reason he's calling us to something different, and I'll close with this, the reason he wants you to look on the inside, not only for the sake of your relationship with him so that it could flourish because you've remaining in him, so that you could love your neighbor well. So that you can not give way to greed and self-indulgence. So that you can not take advantage of the people around you. Jesus is calling us to an interior examination of life so that we could flourish in him and love people. And so may we be a people, if you follow Jesus, may we be a people who, who genuinely follow him in this way. Who, who mimic our lives around the practice of Jesus, of seeking him. I want to pray for that, and I want to pray for you and, and me, because um, this has been very challenging for me to even think through of my own life. So, so I want to pray. And then we're going to sing a song that uh, is a bit old school, but it's so good. It's just a heartfelt prayer uh, to God. And so would you bow with me? Lord, like I just said, this is really hard. It's not easy to live this kind of life. So God, would you give us the courage to live it? Would you give us the humility to live this out? And so God, I pray for everyone in the room. Old, young, maybe they just woke up from a nap. I just pray that you would genuinely get a hold of their heart. That, that maybe next time they're washing dishes, they would remember that it's not about putting on a show. God's looking at the inside. And as we sing this song, Lord, help it be our prayer. Search us, God. Reveal anything on the inside that doesn't match the outside. And lead us. Lead us to you, the way everlasting. In Jesus' name, amen.